Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Good morning. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, MIP is COVID free. Free meaning you don't need a subscription to MIP every day now for a limited time. While we endure this pandemic, we want to make it available to everyone. So wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, MIP is COVID free and available to you and everyone without a subscription. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest's tenure as a senator has been quite a successful one. She led and is leading the fight to reform the justice system for sexual assault survivors in the military, as well as on college campuses. She led the effort to repeal the don't ask, don't tell policy that banned gays from serving openly in the military. She wrote the Stock Act, which made it illegal for members of Congress to financially benefit from inside information. And that's just a few things she's done. She is the senator from the state in which I live, right here in the great state of New York. See, she is Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. Senator, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, it's it's always a pleasure to chat with you. First of all, how are you and your family and your loved ones faring in this uh, pandemic? So far, so good. Um, my parents are both surviving and they are in Florida. Uh, my two boys are home and I'm cooking and cleaning all day long because I have <laughs> many more mouths to feed every meal. Yeah. And um, my husband and I are, you know, just trying to do everything we can to protect our families. 
as everybody else is. It's a very anxious time for everyone. Yeah. But I do know New Yorkers are resilient and we will get through this. Amen. I hope so. I, I think we will. It is, it, is, um, it is challenging being right here in the epicenter, you know, but um, I'm glad your family is well and blessed and uh, that, that's good to know. Speaking of surviving, uh, the most recent um, action you've been involved in, you've been involved in a few, but the most recent one, you wrote an op-ed in the New York Times. The post office must survive. Must yes. Survive. Tell, tell us about what you are planning and, and what you hope to be able to do, if you would. So the post office has been struggling, and under COVID-19, it's nearly... Um, on the brink. Uh, it won't last the summer if we don't support it. So there's a couple of ways to strengthen the post office and a couple reasons to strengthen the post office. First and foremost, our elections. It is essential that we are able to vote by mail this November if we are still in the midst of the COVID-19 epidemic. It will be absolutely necessary that every voter can vote by mail. We also will need flexibility like curbside voting and early voting and election day is a day off but the key components vote by mail. So the post office must survive until then and that will strengthen it. Second, uh, during this epidemic, so many people are unemployed and so many people are in desperate need for resources. And one of the things that we wanna prevent is payday lenders as well as other predatory practices. And one of the best things we can do to prevent that is open up all post offices to be banks. Uh, they used to be banks. They used to be banks during the Great Depression, after World War I, World War II, uh, straight up until the 60s. And so those post offices were able to offer basic banking for anyone who was unbanked or underbanked, uh, checking, savings, uh, small loans. Microloans of $500 can be life-saving for a family. That might be enough to pay a medical bill. It might be enough to uh, allow someone to keep their heat on. Uh, enough to buy food at a, at a moment when people are underemployed. That is necessary. So opening these uh, post offices to be basic banks would make a huge difference, basically public banks. Uh, and then third, our post offices have this requirement that they pay their pension liabilities out 75 years. No other entity in America has to do that, so we should take that away. And if you do those three things, you've shored up the postal service for the next generation and the generation thereafter. Postal banking alone gives $9 billion of revenue a year. Wow. So now what Trump is saying is that <clears throat> in, in order for him to back down, they would need to agree to raise their rates. Is that accurate? Yes. He said that because he doesn't like Jeff Bezos and he's angry at Amazon and he wants to harm their business model. So he wants it to be expensive for Amazon to ship packages because they right now use the postal service. Uh, I think that's very small minded and backwards and ineffective and stupid. <laughs> Indeed. But now you mentioned the voting aspect though. Mm -hmm. might, might there also be an agenda on his part knowing how what crucial a role the post office could actually play this November to undermine yes. that too. Well, he actually said that out loud. He said uh, it would be terrible to increase people's access to vote by mail because if more people vote, then Republicans will never win again. Mm -hmm. So he actually said the thing you don't say out loud, out loud. 
Yeah. And uh, it's pretty outrageous that a president would be so um, overly politicized and so partisan during a national pandemic. It's it's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned banking, and, and I've read about that in history. Can you give us a glimpse of what the advantages would be to everyday Americans in comparison to the, the you mentioned the Depression and, and the World Wars, coming out of this <laughs> pandemic, how beneficial it might be for Americans to have access to banking at the post office? So right now, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are unbanked or underbanked in my state alone. And uh, it's it's quite a number of people. I think it is as high as 20 or 30% of people are unbanked or underbanked nationwide. So that means they don't have a checking account or a savings account. It means they can't accrue interest. It means if they need to borrow money, they might have to use payday lenders or other unsavory predatory practices. And so it's a huge problem for people to not have a bank account. Um, to be able to emerge from this unbelievable crisis people are going to need access to capital they're going to need micro loans to start businesses to get themselves back up and running the post office can offer those loans uh, and they can serve more people we know that even in the recovery that we've put money in for the small business administration that women and minority owned businesses that were left behind along with rural businesses because we have 30,000 post offices in every community from inner cities to rural areas we would know we could get basic banking services, including lending, into every community, uh, even if the SBA is unwilling to help them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so um, the three points that you mentioned, you've has that been introduced as legislation on, on your part? or Okay. Yeah, yes. All, the the um, postal banking has been introduced, um, and all the aspects that I just mentioned are part of that legislation. So where are we in that process? I know how difficult McConnell can be, but. Yeah, so we're hoping that for uh, the fourth COVID bill, which is being negotiated now, that bill may well start in the House of Representatives. This idea is sponsored by our House uh, delegation. Carolyn Maloney leads it in the House. So she is going to ask that it be included in that baseline package that Speaker Pelosi will write. And then hopefully we can negotiate and keep it in on the Senate side. Okay. Um, uh, well, that's 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 very important. I know the majority leader has suggested states should file for bankruptcy. Uh, we can't have states filing for bankruptcy and the post office going out of business at the same time, can we? No, and that's absurd. I mean, to say that is so cynical and so wrong-headed it's just something that i can't imagine any majority leader ever saying yeah um it flies in the face of president trump's goals of having a growing economy by election day and it's so harsh i mean to have a state go bankrupt that means he they would have to slash employees from first responders to educators to social services to safety nets i mean so many people would be harmed by such an outcome. And I don't know why Mitch McConnell is so callous. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have also been a part, I believe, of an initiative uh, to have those who are unemployed help out with COVID relief and really help maybe even get to work again. 
Yeah, so um, we are hoping that as part of the next bill, we can have a health force. And what this would look like is we would teach and train a million workers in the next two months to be able to be frontline healthcare workers to help our nurses and doctors and uh, EMTs and other first responders do the testing and do the contact tracing. It would be amazing if we could get through the Defense Production Act more tests up and running so that these testers can go out to every corner of the United States, test everyone, and then be able to do contact tracing for every single person who tests positive. If you can get that up and running in the next two months, you could arguably reopen most of the economy by September. Without that, I don't know how these mayors and governors are gonna be able to make the judgment that it's safe enough to reopen because if you have still 25% of COVID patients be asymptomatic spreaders, you, you're never gonna nip this in the bud. You will never be COVID free if yeah. you don't have robust testing and contact tracing. Yeah, um, and I would agree. I, I'm, I'm fearful that some of these governors, um, and you mentioned your, your parents down in Florida, I mean, Governor Florida, Governor George, they're trying to reopen and it's very, very dangerous. So dangerous. And I don't know how they can accept the loss of life that will follow. Yeah, yeah. Um, lastly, uh, I know you're also part of legislation um, that would address food insecurity. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that if you would. So given the high unemployment, the fact that 26 million people have filed for unemployment in just the last few weeks, a lot of people are deeply food insecure. Without a paycheck, without a decent paycheck, they cannot afford to put food on the table. And with schools closed, the best meal of the day for many children was their school lunch. Mm -hmm. Some schools were extremely generous and offered lunch, breakfast, and dinner in some places. So without that, there's so many families that just don't have enough food. I have two boys at home. I know how much growing boys eat or want to eat. And if you don't have the resources to feed your kid, I can't imagine a more heartbreaking circumstance for a family to endure. Um, we should not, in the greatest country on earth, having our children go to bed hungry. A lot of our seniors are homebound and do not have enough resources through Social Security. They are often recipients of food stamps. We have begged the Republicans and Mitch McConnell to increase food stamps, and they've said no every time. It's disgraceful, it's ungenerous, It's it's inhumane and it's immoral. So yeah. our goal is to include more money for food stamps in the next bill and then to make it more flexible so that we can use resources um, in community kitchens, in um, food uh, banks and other kinds of shelter systems. We are trying to make connections with our dairy farmers and our fruits and vegetable farmers who have had to dump their milk and throw stuff away because they can't deliver it to the normal place they deliver it. We wanna make sure that food's getting to families. We're doing our best to increase the supply chain so we can get food like dairy or fruits and vegetables to the people who need it. Yeah. Well, honestly, I must say, you know, all the things you're working on are, are critically important and urgent, life-saving in this life-threatening situation. Senator Gillibrand, we, we wish you the best and all of this is all obviously very, very urgent. Yeah. Uh, and we appreciate the hard work you're doing, they're the kinds of things that a president would do. Uh, and again, I want to commend you on running an excellent campaign. And it's again, it's very disappointing that we have the White House who doesn't care enough about people. Yeah. Thank you, Senator.
Good God to see you. God bless you. God bless Stay you safe. too. All right, you too. Take care now. All right, bye bye. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us once again on Make It Plain. And he is the author uh, and publisher right now of PressRun.media. We invite you to check it out. Former staffer at Media Matters, Salon, Rolling Stone, Billboard. But Press Run is his beat right now. Fearless media commentary. He's always been that way anyway. PressRun.media. Eric Bollard is once again back with us. Hey man, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good, good to be here. Good, good, good to see you, good, good to be seen. Glad to know that you and yours are faring well, or at least as best you can under the circumstances. Week six, I think it is out here in North Jersey, so. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, Your latest at Press Run, fascinating comparison between Trump and LBJ. Yeah. And and we are getting close to Vietnam numbers when it comes to deaths from this pandemic. Yeah. Um probably Monday night, Tuesday morning, it'll it'll uh, hit 58,000 in the US. Trump said it was going to be zero of course back in February, but yeah, 58,000 is the US death toll for the Vietnam War. That of course took at least 9 years. You could extend it even further. Uh, in terms of jungle warfare. Vietnam War has always been kind of the benchmark for a failed presidency, for an event that would destroy a presidency. It was, um, uh, you know, it was obviously Vietnam in 1968 that forced LBJ not to run for re-election. And as I point out in my piece, it's not just this is Trump's Vietnam. I mean, we've got a collapsed economy, st- staggering unemployment that might hit 15 or 20 percent. We've got food lines uh, growing around this country. CEO of, of, of Tyson Food now saying the uh, you know the chain for um, supermarkets is weakening, things like that. So this is Trump's Vietnam, and it's his Great Depression. Yeah. And one of the one of the things I asked in the piece was, you know, the press coverage that you, that folks are seeing does it really capture what's going on in terms of the staggering proportions of, you know, of what's happening, you know, and, and I did a piece on Friday for pressrun.media and it was, you know, Trump's pandemic is 26 million lost jobs, 58,000 dead deaths. Uh, and the New York times keeps running these Dems and disarray articles. Uh, because that's what they always do, right? They're looking at Joe Biden in, in 2020. <laughs> And they actually published three additional ones after my column on Friday, just relentless, you know, kind of bad news for Biden and his campaign is in disarray and Democrats don't have a unified message. We're talking about an incumbent who has 26 million lost jobs. It'll be 30 by Friday, 30 million lost jobs. And he's running for reelection, 58,000 deaths. 2014, the political press was writing Barack Obama's political obituary because two people died from Ebola. How do you look at what's now on Trump's resume and say, boy, Democrats have a tough road ahead? I I don't know who's going to win in November. That is, 
I no way I'm making that prediction. But we've never had a president with 15% unemployment running for re-election in the New York Times saying, gee, boy, that Biden, I don't know, that campaign's in trouble. <laughs> if you go to the, and, and again, you know, we all know what happened with polling in 2016. But again, the context is Biden is ahead in 40 of the last 42 polls. He is ahead in every swing state poll in this country. But the press is so wed to this idea that Democrats are being outsmarted, outmaneuvered. Trump is two steps ahead of everyone, that they really have a hard time breaking their chain. And, and they want to cover this campaign like it's a normal campaign, like we aren't in a once in a century crisis. Yeah. Uh, and, and so between that and the piece that you mentioned I did today about the Vietnam comparison, I'm not really getting a sense the, the, the political press is really grappling with the staggering proportions of the Trump failure. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Vietnam as being sort of the benchmark of a, of a failed presidency. Yeah. Um, uh, because uh, clearly Watergate was not, or Ukraine and Ukraine gate currently isn't. Uh, right. <laughs> I would probably add to that uh, the hostage crisis, a hostage crisis is also a benchmark. Uh, and as you mentioned about Obama in 2014, it, it, it appears that only Democratic presidents have benchmarks of failure, right? I mean, Johnson was Democrat. Um, right. If a Democrat had 58,000 deaths on their watch, oh, I mean, it would be LBJ all over again. I mean, they'd have to resign uh, immediately. Yeah. Right, right. So... It, it, it really is kind of crazy. But, but something else you pointed out that I actually did not know, yeah. that during the Vietnam War, they also held the 5 o'clock p.m. press conference. Yeah, over in and, Saigon. Yeah, and it was, you know, the same thing. It was, uh, there was a, you, you, I can't remember right now, but there was a term you, that they referred to, was it the 5 o'clock? The 5 o'clock volley. 5 o'clock volley. Yeah, the 5 o'clock volley. So it's the same thing. And, and so this well, it's interesting. It, it is the same thing, but the briefings today are so much worse, and we can talk about why. Five o'clock follies were the, you know, the Pentagon generals and, and war planners uh, meeting with the U.S. press in Saigon at five o'clock, and, and for years, and just delivering these wildly over overly optimistic assessments on what was happening on the ground, what was happening, the light at the end of the tunnel, as LBJ talked about. These went through the Nixon years. Um, uh, and eventually, the, the you know, what I point out in the piece is, you know, Vietnam War was a turning point for the American press. And up until that point, I mean, this was 50 years ago, so, you know, we had just come out of World War I, Korea War. The political press basically believed anything the federal government told them, and certainly believed anything the federal government told them about warfare. Right. It was the, lie, the lies and, 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 mis, and, and, well, just the lies and uh, misleading for the Vietnam that finally convinced a whole generation of reporters that, hey, we're getting lied to. So that was the key. And I asked, you know, for the pandemic, what lessons has this DC press learned? Uh, Trump lies in these press briefings in a way those war planners never dreamt of doing, you know, during the Vietnam War. They were trying to fudge numbers. They were trying to put a spin on it. Trump is just relentlessly pushing misinformation. Obviously, he's talking about, you know, in, ingesting um, disinfectants and drinking chlor Clorox and, and Lysol. I mean, this is 
off the charts, off the charts. Yeah. Madman, absolutely. Definition, textbook, narcissist, uh, madman at these briefings. So these are far, far worse. You know, those war planners were kind of misleading us about a distant war that, were, that was being fought by soldiers. Trump is putting civilians in harm's way, not just with the Clorox stuff, but for essentially, you know, ordering a stand down order um, for, for this virus invasion. Uh, so yeah, there, there is comparison. And, and now we know Trump is throwing in the towel for now in terms of the briefings, you know, that disinfectant thing was such a colossal failure. I think it freaked everyone in the White House and, and the Republican Party. So over the weekend, he says, well, I'm too busy. You know, I don't want to do these briefings. A, I don't think that's going to last very long because he, like I said, he's a textbook narcissist. Uh, he's got to be back in front of the cameras. He has to have the, uh, the attention. He can do that with Twitter a little bit. But obviously, with the lockdown, he can't leave the White House. He wants to go golfing. He's not going to be on TV. None of that's going to work for him. So the question is, I think, is when does he come back with these briefings? But the sad part is, it, it, it should have been the press that unplugged these briefings. It should have been the press that collectively raised their hands and said, we cannot in good conscience put you on television. Yes, we know you're the commander in chief. Yes, we know. Uh, usually when the president of the United States addresses the nation during, particularly during a health crisis, it's our job to relay that information. You're just lying. You're just getting people, you know, possibly killed. We yeah. cannot do this. We've got to unplug you. But to the, to no surprise to you and me, they couldn't come up with that collective courage. And so now Trump is doing it. Uh, and it's Trump is the one who's walking away temporarily. Um, so, yeah, the briefings, I think, have been, you know, there's been a lot of media debate uh, about whether they should have been covered. Uh, it, it just became disgraceful. Um, uh, you know, 25, I think Washington Post and the New York Times both recently added it up. I think between 28 and 30 hours that they, there was covered live. I, I, I doubt in eight years Obama got 28 hours of live national television coverage. If you, if you set aside the State of the Unions, I, I can almost guarantee you Obama in eight years did not get what the TV networks just gave Trump in five weeks. It's just astounding. Well, but I think also, too, as you mentioned with the whole in, ingesting um, cleaners, cleaning food and all that kind of stuff, it's also obvious he is just taking up time. You know, he's just, that's, that's not even lying. That's just, I'm going to run out the clock. I'm going to do four corners. Yeah. And as you and I talked about in the past, you know, I, I was really in, enlightened of, of the former ABC anchor, Carol Simpson's analysis, where she feels right. that he is doing it to preempt local news and local cover yeah. of, of, of right. you know, people who are dying in local communities. You know, and I think yeah. that kind of proves it. Because, I mean, I'm sure in the Vietnam yeah. briefing, they, they were misleading people, but they went up there saying, hey, you should drink some Clorox. I mean, that's kind of a dead giveaway. Okay, you're not lying right now. You're just running out the clock so nobody else gives this the accurate coverage yeah. that, that it deserves, you know? Right. right. I mean, these briefings started out 45, 15 minutes. They started out with 15 people behind them. They all said something useless. Then it kind of became four or five people, and then it became... Two hours. Look, a lot of people have talked about these are the rallies he can't have. 
and, and then remember a couple of weeks ago, he, he aired that attack, a campaign style attack aired on the press during a, you know, during yeah. the pandemic coverage. But yeah, and, and, and running out the clock, I think, I think that is true. And the disinfectant thing, I think, was telling in so many ways. So it kind of dropped like a bomb. And everyone, everyone, uh, I don't care where you are on the spectrum, looked at that like, what? And so the next day, White House spin. Oh, you took it out of context. Oh, Breitbart. Oh, he didn't really say, you know, just say ingest it. And then, of course, Trump threw them all under the bus. At 4 o'clock the next day, he said, I was just being sarcastic. Uh, I was just, you know, I was setting a trap for the press. And, And so that, you know, completely undercut the White House spokeswoman who said, oh, you know, you took him out of context. Right. Kind of like Trump last week completely threw the Georgia governor under the bus, calls him on the phone. Hey, go ahead, reopen two days later. Oh, I think it's an off. I think it's a terrible idea uh, and and left that guy out, you know, high and dry, which just proves if you're a Republican or if you work at the White House, you can't have a strategy. You have no idea what this madman is going to say. And right. so it's completely it's completely pointless. But your point about running out the clock, yes, um, he, he again, you know, textbook narcissist. He wants to be the center of attention. Uh, you know, he the whole ingestion thing was crazy. I mean, he literally went from talking about wow, these disinfectants can kill this stuff on the desktop on a countertop in thirty seconds. Why don't we think about drinking it? And yeah. but but you know what he also talked about. Yeah. Letting the light pass through you. Yeah. Now, now, did you catch, did you know what he was talking about, right? Because I don't, I, a few people I talked to didn't get that. You know yeah. why he said that, right? Tell me. He sits, he's on a tanning bed every day. Oh, yeah, 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 right, right, right. He thinks that's good. You're right. That's a good point. But, but something in his brain gave him sense enough not to say, why does nobody <laughs> get on a tanning bed like me? <laughs> right, you know, right, because right. that would have been a whole other thing. Oh, yeah, now you finally admit right, right. What do we know and why these parts of your eyes are, you know, right, right, pale. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but that's obviously what, what he was uh, 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 what he was thinking. Um, yeah, and, 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 and the ingestion thing and going from countertops to, hey, maybe you should drink it. You know, one of the problems with the pandemic is highlighted every press shortcoming for the previous three years, up until March 1, they wouldn't call him a liar. They wouldn't talk about his mental instability. They're trying to pretend there's a functioning White House and aides scurry around and come up with strategies. And he, and he thoughtfully thinks it over and comes to a decision. All of the, you know, this complete West Wing fantasy about what's happening in the Trump White House. White House. So all of this stuff that the press should have been doing for three years and refused to, now it's all, in, you know, just, it's, all of it's on steroids, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the fact that, and, and I remember when it started, there were still people in this business saying, well, he would never lie about a pandemic. He would never lie about a public health crisis. Oh, he'll, he'll do the right thing. He'll, and he came down that escalator in June 2015. He's been doing this for five years. If you honestly cover politics for a living and you think Trump picks and chooses when he's going to be truthful and picks and chooses when he's going to lie, then you just don't understand the, the mind of a pathological liar. You don't understand the, the, the mind of a narcissist. He couldn't care less uh, if, if, in terms of what he's lying about. And honestly, you don't understand the mindset of a, of a, of a sociopath, both right. the New York Times and the Washington Post in the roundup of the 28 hours 
I think he spent four minutes talking, you know, any hint of empathy for, for the 50, we're going to have 60, we're going to have 70,000 dead people. Right. right. So failing to come to grips, failing to be honest about, we have a madman in the white house, not, they won't even call him a liar. So all of these failures have been multiplied. And, and one of the reasons we are where we are now, I think, it's the press uh, just not wanting to deal with reality, trying to prop up this idea. Well, he's an eccentric businessman. Oh, he's mercurial. Oh, he fabricates. He doesn't. So a lot of the, lot of the failings that we've talked about for a long time, um, they, they're coming into focus in a really scary and deadly way at this point. I, I'm reminded, and, and I wonder if this is what I'm about to say, if this is what's going on, Eric. Yeah. Some in the press have always felt they have a responsibility to make elected officials look good even when they don't. It's, it's, it's like an, an arrogance of, well, if they're not going to do it right, we have to do it right. Mm. And, and, I, and I tell you why that comes, man. I just thought about this as I was sitting here years ago. Uh, and I used to do these from time to time. I was invited to do a, a diversity awareness sensitivity training. Yeah. at a small community newspaper, a uh, very popular one, in suburban Virginia, outside of yeah. D.C. And the reason I was called out there is because every day they were posting um, uh, police crime reports, police blotter and all that. And they were always putting sketchy, sketches and pictures of black suspects. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I go out there. And uh, some of the black staff invited me to come and everybody's the editor, everybody was just about 50 people in the room. And we're sitting there talking and finally about halfway through the editor says this to me. It says, Mark, um, but it's, we have a responsibility. It's what's it's the sensitivity is not as important. What's more important, Mark, is that we have a responsibility to stop this crime and apprehend the suspect. And I said, wait, 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 you have a responsibility. That's the police job. That's not your job. And the room fell quiet. I said, you, you kind of going into another lane that's not yours. And when right, I watch right. some of this press today, I wonder, you know, I'm sure someone has said, well, you know, this is America. We can't have our president looking crazy. You know, so we have to try to make this look like something else. But in fact, they're making it worse by right. giving him wall-to-wall coverage. He is truly crazy. So yeah. you're seeing that no one in the history of humankind uh, has ever said anything like ingest cleaning fluid. Right. I mean, that, that, that is a clear <laughs> example. And one other thing, I want you to respond to this too, if you don't mind, because I thought about you too uh, yeah. when, this, when this happens. You know, a lot I learned from you, and I think about it when it happens. Kemp, open Georgia. Kemp, don't open Georgia. I thought about you. Fog of unknowability. Right, right. right. You know, I, just, just, I said, that's just, what, that, that's still, and I said, that's all that is. People's yeah. market doesn't make sense. Yes, because that is the strategy. It's not supposed to make sense. It's to keep right. you, you know, it's, the, it's a moving target. <laughs> right. So the fog of unknowability, which I tweet about a lot, it's a phrase that Kremlin watchers have used for Putin in the press. And they warned the American press when Trump was elected. They said, it's going to happen and you're not going to know how to deal with it. And the American press doesn't know how to deal with autocratic propaganda. And so the fog about knowability, just lying, it's the constant contradictions, right? It's the constant confusion. It's to the point, and this happened during the pandemic, plus it is about this pandemic. 
Is it to get more testing? Is it to get people back to work? Nobody knows. And, and it's throwing out, uh, you, know, you know, a couple of years ago, everyone was talking about gaslighting, gaslighting, always trying to erase the past. It's really so much worse than that. And it's trying to create an alternative universe, but it's not just an alternative universe where you lie, 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 and you create your own set of facts. That's kind of what the Fox News wanted to do. Trump is utterly comfortable contradicting himself within hours or if not days, and then the press is in this pretzel, right? Well, you just said that. Why well, I didn't say that? Well, I never called it a hoax. Here's the clip, and it just goes round and round and round and round. And yeah. so the you know the, you know the lights all in the Clorox, uh, you know you just throw it out there, and then you you know you have denials and, and and things like that. Now in this case, I think it hurt him because it was such a bizarre, uh, you know, blatantly harmful and, and crazy thing to talk about. Um, but that's, that's, that's part of the pattern. And you talked about, you know, back to the briefings for a minute, you know, the TV news has gotten hit hard and I've hit them hard and you have two wises on TV. It's dangerous. It's, it's misinformation. But what your key point about trying to make him look presidential, New York Times today had a front page piece, again, on the disinfectant. This could be a turning point. Maybe he's lost his Teflon. You go back Friday morning, and you read the straight news piece that they did when Trump talked about drinking Lysol, you would have thought he was talking about uh, lowering the tax rate by 1%. Yeah. It was just straight down the line. They got in trouble because they put up a tweet that said some, some experts uh, think it might be dangerous to drink Lysol. Uh, so, uh, you know, that story out of the gate, this is how we treat Trump. Uh, he's talking about drinking Clorox. Okay, this is our straight news story. You know, you don't quote a Democrat. You don't quote anyone saying he's insane. You, you, you kind of suggest that drinking disinfectants might be a bad idea. You know, three years ago, I said, if Trump says the moon is made of cheese, the New York Times is going to write it up as a news story. Yeah. And we, we were dangerously close to that uh, on Friday with the disinfectant thing. Now, a couple of days later, the, the Times is on board saying, oh, well, this is a big deal. This is harmful. You know, uh, you know, this is a big political problem for him. How could he do it? But in real time, straight news. Straight news. President, president says maybe drink Lysol. Then, then we just type it up. And we kind of between the lines suggest it's a little odd. Too afraid. They're too afraid to just tell the, the truth about what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, I, I don't know what, what that gets them. Because yeah. no one in Trump's, if, if again, and we've talked about this before, if the New York Times is trying to appeal to anyone in Trump's base or his audience, they're yeah. not coming there anyway. No, you no. know, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's chasing your tail. Yeah, that's right. So that's a, a good point. And, and so the question is why? It's, it's more of an uh, access, I think, and, and it's just more of an institutional. The, the Times and some others just deciding we are, go, you know, we're only going to go up to a certain line. And as we've talked about before, when you talk about whether the President of the United States is a madman, whether he's a pathological liar, that's a, that has to be the story the rest of his presidency. You can't kind of cover that for a day and then pretend you, you know, go back to normal. That's why, you know, news organizations for three years have not interviewed uh, mental health experts to talk about uh, possible, you know, character uh, or, or, or personality defects in the president of the United States. You just don't do that. 
And so even though everyone who's been in a room with him for more than 10 minutes kind of looks at each other like, is this guy okay? Let alone for three years, uh, you know, they realize they open that box, that Pandora's box, they have to cover that every day. You can't just suggest the, the most powerful leader of the free world is, is, is unstable, just physically and mentally unstable. And then that's a two-day story. That has to be, and the same thing if you acknowledge, which, you know, this is why, you know, you know CNN, Washington, Washington Post, they have Trump on, on uh, you know, on course for 18,000 lies. And then they tell their newsroom, oh, you can't call him a liar. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Folks, uh, fearless media analysis, pressrun.media. Check out what what Eric Bollard is doing and writing about. He's always been at the forefront of this type of analysis, and he's doing it exclusively now uh, on his own medium, pressrun.media. Eric, as always, thank you, buddy. Good to see you. All right, have a great week. All right, stay safe. Okay. Okay. All right, right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.